1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Pat Williams. We can't start the show with anything other than the big news in the hockey world pertaining to the AHL. Shane Wright is free from the NHL-CHL agreement. He's out of the jail that he was supposed to be in for a second straight year and he's eligible to play in the AHL. Pat, initial thoughts, any surprise an exemption was made?
0: Yeah, big, big news from LA Freeman. Uh, kind of like it was interesting. It kind of like dropped. I think it was last Friday,
1: but no one really it talked was, about it. it was yeah, kinda... it was
0: fairly quiet. I guess you know, going Friday and the weekend, September when the last weekends of summer. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it went under the radar a bit, uh, considering who Shane Wright is, a fourth overall pick, but um, sure. massive, massive news, and I think um, also opens the door for a lot of questions going forward.
1: I would certainly agree. Now, for for clarity's sake, basically, and Jeff Merrick did a good job on the show describing this and explaining it, the exemption was made because he was one game short. So he's, he's five days removed from the age cutoff, unfortunate, but then last year with the OHL, he played 20 regular season games and four playoff games, putting him one game short of 25 games, which they count as a season. And then by this standard, they're actually counting the covid year he didn't play in the O as a year played so they're really just rounding up by one game but i think that you made a good point this does open up a lot of questions concerns and maybe frustration from a lot of other teams like matt savoy who will will ask uh our our guest that's coming up um about that i think there's a negative trickle down effect that could come from this i would say
0: there's one thing we know about nhl general managers and and Front offices is that they're looking for every, every workaround, every possible angle, every argument yeah. they possibly make in order to get what they want, right? For sure. Uh, I I'm almost certain that right now you got NHL front offices that are scouring, scouring the CBA, scouring all you know, talking with their lawyers, you know, talking with everybody that that can help them find some sort of angle. Because let's be honest, like you want your players to play at the best possible level. Uh, that's most suitable for them at that moment. best for their development. And, you know, Matt Savoy, for example, Shane Wright, obviously very well served, I think, by playing in the HL. I mean, I think I saw a lot of growth for Shane Wright last year in the playoffs. Certainly. Going through that, I mean, he went through a two-month playoff run. Um, whereas if, you know, if he's in the, in the OHL, maybe he goes on a playoff run there, but it's not the same, right? Like, you, you know, it's, it's, the you old know, you're playing against men, you're playing against guys who have played, uh, you know, some real substantial NHL, uh, you know, resume, resumes. I mean, so it's just, it's a higher level of hockey, right? Like, yeah, you're not, you're not playing 16, 17, 18. You're playing 22, 24, 25 year olds. So it's, um, if, if, you got a prospect there like a Shane, right? Like you, you want him to go through that experience and there are going to be some, some hardships, right? Like going through that, like Shane, right? Definitely. It was not always a smooth experience for him going through that playoff run, but I think the it's beneficial. And I think the bigger picture though, if you if you, if you, if you kind of pan out a little bit is that I think I wonder, I wonder what this leads to going down the road.
1: Well, I actually had, I reached out to someone in, in NHL front office for their opinion, and they shared it, and they actually said I could say it on the air. This is a person who works in NHL front office. They have a solution for this, and he thinks it'll benefit both parties, and he thinks that it should be put out there. He said, my solution is that teams should be allowed one spot for a CHL player, and the way they would do it is buy out the CHL team for an arbitrary number, say $100,000 a season. could be any number. Uh, put 100000 as a placeholder. The key is to make sure the CHL makes extra revenue if they lose a star, and then on the other side, the teams don't have the problem that we're seeing here. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, money talks. <laughs> money always talks. And, well, yeah, like I, I think um, it would be good. It would help to, I think, uh, you know, make things right for the CHL team um, that loses the player. Obviously, it would, it would do right by the player himself you know, puts him in the best situation. And then obviously for the NHL team, right? Like you have those three parties. Um, if you can kind of, yeah, work that solution and, and whatever that that, that that financial figure is. Right. You know, it, yeah, I think there's a lot of merit to that. I mean, we've heard different variations of that idea tossed around at different points, but... Um,
1: but when we I, talked uh, about it first, Pat, like when you and I first mentioned it, we were saying like, you have if the concern from the CHL is that they're not going to be making ticket sales from mm-hmm. by that star, put a number out there. Like I just said, and I'm sure right. you're going to be getting a surplus on your projected uh, revenue from like added revenue from having that player. Like right. I think you have to make it make sense at this point. Cause yeah. it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you have
0: 34 home games? Uh, if you're, you're, you're a team and you know, well, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever If you can figure out what's the difference between having them, not having them. You know jersey sales. What you know, whatever metrics you want to use to, to come up with that number. But um, in the meantime, I do wonder if you're going to see teams get more creative, like we saw with Seattle last year. They're Like, all right, we're going to send them down for a conditioning stint. Then we're going to send them to Team Canada. Like, yep. like basically, we're how can we get them as many games somewhere else besides the CHL? Yeah. And um,
1: could people go to Europe for the year? I know that sounds ridiculous, but
0: I do Austin Matthews did it. I mean, I think. At some point, um, think of it too from the player's perspective. Do you want for to be? Sure. Do you want to be in the AHL making you know real salary, or do you want to be in the OHL, for example, you know where you're yep. not? And uh, so there's a lot of different variables at play, and um, I can tell you, if I was not 19 years old, I wouldn't mind you know making you know uh, 65,000 to play in Coachella Valley, uh, as opposed to you know we we're not making. That kind of money, the OHL. So there, there, there's just a lot of different, um, you know, factors at play. Um, I think we we all know now that players are coming in at 18 years old, and they're so much further along than they used to be, even 10 years ago. Um, Better training, better development. You know, at at the much younger ages, and um, I think this eventually is going to come to a head uh, where something has to give, right? Like. This isn't sustainable long-term.
1: period, long, you know, long term. Well, I, I, I think even then rounding up here, technicality or not, there is something being changed here. And as I report for the Hockey News, the the agreement in its current stature has been extended until 2029. So mm-hmm. I think, though, even making a little change like this is definitely a step in the right direction. I want to say, though, I think that for that proposal to work, I think it's going to be more than 100,000. I think it has to be a, a number where... Yeah. You're re- the junior team is getting a really good benefit, and also not to say that NHL teams are caring about a you know thirty thousand dollar difference or whatever, but still you want it to be high enough where you're not doing it every year for no reason, sure. right? You're, you're you're doing it in a special circumstance, and let me tell you, like NHL GMs, it's not like they want every junior prospect in the HL right away. I actually say it's the opposite. I'm sure you would attest to that too. Sometimes sure. they think these guys are way too young. Oh yeah, they're not ready. They're I've not ready. Them, so why right? are they here?
0: For sure. I mean, I've seen twenty-year-olds who aren't ready. You know, so a lot totally. of nineteen-year-olds. I mean, it really. I think there's an increasing understanding, and it, it's been slow to happen, but it is happening. Yes. That every player now has kind of a different timeline. You can't totally uses the one-size-fits-all model. Doesn't um, work. Doesn't does work anymore.
1: Work absolutely um it doesn't work whatsoever um i'm curious to know what our guest ryan kennedy who we're gonna send to you right now thinks about we'll ask about matt savoy and and all that stuff because definitely a big trickle down effect and also we'll talk to ryan about the nhlpa rookie showcase in dc which he attended where a lot of potential ahl rookies were there let's throw it over to ryan now here with ryan kennedy the editor-in-chief of the hockey news Fresh off his trip in Washington, D.C. for the NHLPA slash Upper Deck Rookie Showcase. First off, Ryan, how was it? It was excellent. This is an
2: event that they've done for years now. It used to be in Toronto, which I love because I could just, you know, drive there in the morning. But now they have it at the Washington Capitals practice facility in Arlington, Virginia. And it was an awesome setup. Uh, it's kind of fun to see all these kids in their NHL jerseys and full gear. You know, mostly for the first time, obviously, Connor Bedard uh, in his Hawks gear uh, and then just having access to, you know, literally three dozen soon to be NHL players and just sort of picking their brains for a bit. It was excellent.
1: Um, so Shane Wright, obviously the news came out about the exemption that's being made for the NHL-CHL play agreement. Shane Wright wasn't there, but we got to ask you, um, do you think Shane Wright will make Seattle if you had to predict now or is there a chance he does play for Coachella to start the year?
2: I think there is a chance that he could go to Coachella, and it's it's not a knock on Shane Wright so much as look at Seattle's roster right now. You know, with Andre Burakovsky coming back this season, um, and you know just all the guys they already had signed. You know, you're looking at basically twelve locks four forwards, all of them veterans. Uh, So, you know, with Shane Wright, I would say, you know, his main competition at this point is Ty Cartier, uh, who was at the Rookie Prospect Showcase, Um, you know, Cole Lind, and, you know, Kyler Yamamoto, who was brought in, you know, from Edmonton um, on a bit of a hometown discount there because the Oilers waived him. But, you know, there's only so many bodies you're going to have up there and for Shane Wright you know you want him to be getting ice time so if he's not going to have a regular role in Seattle I I would prefer to see him in Coachella Valley until the Kraken actually need him full time because these are still crucial development years for him
0: and and where do you see Ty Carty fitting into the whole Seattle picture or Coachella for that matter
2: yeah, again I think there's a there's a great opportunity for Cartier but if it's better to have him back in Coachella Valley um, then that's perfect for his development you know I had a chance to talk to him in uh, in Washington there and you know we talked about the experience he got in the Stanley Cup playoffs with Seattle uh, and obviously you know he was a very pleasant surprise for the crack in chipping and offensively but then he actually made a point and said, You know, it was great to get in those games, but it was also great that they sent me back to Coachella Valley afterwards so I could continue playing in the playoffs in the Calder Cup, where, again, obviously the Firebirds going all the way to the final. I mean, that kind of experience so young in your career, you have to take advantage of those opportunities. So, again, you know, for Cartier, if he can get a regular role with the Kraken, and we've already seen he can contribute to that lineup, then that's great, do it. And uh, you know, Seattle's the type of team that they kind of roll lines anyways. So mm-hmm. it's not like he has to be in a top six role to be effective. But if he's not going to be getting those minutes, if if he's only gonna be an eight, nine-minute guy a night in Seattle, well, maybe send him back to the Firebirds where he can keep getting those reps. He can, you know, try out all situations, he can play kind of, you know, 17, 18 minutes a night, maybe even 20. Um and continue to build up
0: that resume he has. And then you look at Riker Evans, I mean, second round pick at times, especially the playoffs dominant, uh, for, for Coachella Valley on that run. Uh how close is he and and, and where do you see him really like Seattle wise possibly fitting in, if not out of camp, at least in, in somewhere into the season?
2: Yeah yet another player that really benefited from that long playoff run for the Firebirds. And I, I, mean, frankly, I think Riker Evans, the timing was kind of perfect for him. You know, he's the right. second uh, Seattle pick ever after Matty Beniers. And obviously Matty Beniers, you know, we know he was on the fast track all along, but for Riker Evans to get that experience in the AHL and, you know, for Seattle, you look at, you know, Vince Dunn, obviously he's the man on defense for them. Already, you know, had that breakout season offensively. So, you know, you, you've got your guy there. But, you know, behind him, I think that Riker Evans could really find a role there. And, again, we know he can put up numbers at the pro level. So I think it'd be it's going to be very fun to see if Riker Evans can put his stamp on crack in training camp and if he can kind of force them to make some tough decisions on the back end.
1: I know we weren't going to touch on this guy, but you got me thinking, Ryan, Matt Savoy, you know, he's not going to be AHL eligible. Do you foresee a deja vu of the season? We saw Shane Wright have where he went NHL conditioning, sent in the a world juniors junior kind of, I don't even know what to call the path, but do you see repeated that for Savoy?
2: Well, it's certainly an interesting proposition. And I think with the Shane Wright exception, you know, people started thinking like, well, what about Matt Savoy? Um, You know, the difference being Shane Wright had exceptional status. So his junior eligibility was a bit different. Right. And Matt Savoy didn't miss a year due to COVID because he went to the USHL or he was in the USHL at the time with uh, Dubuque and played awesome. So, I mean, for me personally, I wish that these kids that are like right on the bubble yeah, could just go to the AHL. But I also understand where major junior is coming from. They don't want to lose their biggest stars. I think that, you know, if Savoy doesn't make the Sabres, which is a very distinct possibility because there's so many good young players in Buffalo, oh, yeah. not counting the, the vets like Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck that are obviously, you know, leading that offense. But, you know, if Savoy doesn't make it, then he would go to Wenatchee, which used to be the Winnipeg Ice. And, I mean, they're still going to be a very good team. Connor Geeky will be there as well. Zach Benson, uh, too, unless, ironically, Zach Benson makes the Sabres. Uh, But that's probably a long shot considering they just drafted him. But I wonder if the Sabres might petition the CHL and the NHL to to let Savoy go to Rochester. I I don't see the same kind of case. Like, you don't have the same circumstances. Right. But – if not, then yeah, I think you're you're probably right on the money where maybe the Sabres try to get him in some games in Rochester and then obviously he would play a very big role for Team Canada at the World Juniors, most likely with Wenatchee teammate Connor Geeky and probably Zach Benson for that matter as well. And, and then maybe, you know, either he goes back to Wenatchee, depending on how well they're doing, or you could always trade him to uh, an even bigger contender. Uh, again, I haven't really dipped into to who the favorites in the dub are this year, but you know, I, I think Wenatchee is still going to be pretty good. So maybe he just stays there and tries to win a title because obviously, you know, it was the Seattle Thunderbirds that ended up victorious in the dub last year. So, you know, you can say like there are things for him to accomplish this season at the junior level where it, whether it's in the dub or the world juniors.
1: Now, shifting over to Calgary, right? Matt Coronado is, a, is an interesting name there. I think with Setter gone, a lot of people are kind of thinking it's going to be a full-blown youth movement, but Calgary only has so many available spots. Do you think Coronado needs some AHL seasoning this year?
2: I think he could go either way. I, I would like to see what he can do under Ryan Huska with the Flames at the NHL level uh, because, you know, I mean, he went to Harvard and playing in that, ECAC conference yeah. it's a lot of older players right yeah. you know there's a lot of those teams that I kind of joke are 23 23 year olds um so for Coronado like he's faced bigger stronger competition already right. um you know and internationally with Team USA he's played against men a couple of times as well so I'd like to see what he could do um and again if he's not ready then then that's fine uh, I think you know he has the opportunity to uh, go to the AHL and, and be a, a big impact player. And if he can do that, then that's great. Again, we're talking about a guy that's, that's still very young. So I, I think he's in a good spot where wherever he lands, he'll be able to get value out of it.
0: Dustin Wolf, uh, you know, absolutely two dominant seasons in the AHL. Really, probably you know, all the time I can think about it. I, I can't remember a rookie and then a second-year player putting together a stretch like that. But where does he fit with the Calgary Flames going forward here? Like, do they send him back again? Like, how will this work in your opinion?
2: Yeah, so for me, I would have liked to see Dustin Wolf earlier last season when the when the Flames were really kind of floundering there and 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 still had a shot at the playoffs. I would have loved to see them toss in Dustin Wolf, kind of like the way the Sabres did with Devin Levi, right. um, where it's like, just give him a chance. Who knows? And mm-hmm. NHL guys don't have a book on it. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're just looking for short-term success and for a guy to get some reps, there's something, there's something to that, I think, where it's like, yeah, you're the best shooters in the world, but you don't know this kid's tendencies. So, you know, sometimes you can go on a run, and, and Devin Levi proved that himself with Buffalo. Uh, with Dustin Wolf, I mean, ultimately, maybe he's the exception to the rule. Maybe he's another UC Soros. He's a goalie that does not have size. Yeah. And I was kind of joking. Like, I, I kind of stood next to him because uh, he was in uh, Washington as well at the Rookie Showcase. And I kind of stood next to him and be like, are we the same height? I think we're basically the same height. And I'm like basically 5'11", maybe like a little under, depending on, you know, my haircut. Um, so Dustin Wolf is he's about the same height as me. So he's, I mean, we've seen at the pro level, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, absolutely outstanding um, for the Wranglers. I think ultimately he'll be an NHL backup. I think, you know, the best case scenario for Calgary is that Jacob Markstrom rebounds. Right. Um, but I do think that Dustin Wolf can be almost like UC Saros was to Pekka Renee in Nashville, where You know, when the main guy needs a night off, you're not really taking a step back. You've got a a guy that can definitely get you the win and has an incredible skill set. He just doesn't have ideal size. And Mm. for me, it's more of an impact at the playoff level. Like in the regular season, you don't necessarily need size. Like you can steal games, you know, you use your athleticism, you use your whole toolbox. You can win when you get to the playoffs and you're only facing good teams and you're only facing elite shooters. To me, that's when smaller goalies run into problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I mean, Dustin Wolf, like I say, like if anybody's going to beat the odds, it's him because he's proven it every single season. Going back to Everett in the dub, that you know, he can be that guy.
0: Marco Casper in Grand Rapids, do you expect him to be there or? How do you think Detroit will manage that situation?
2: Yeah, if he doesn't make the Red Wings, he told me he would go to Grand Rapids. So, I mean, that would be the destination. Mm-hmm. Detroit, to me, is fascinating this year because I feel th- there's a lot at stake. Yeah, uh, You look at that division and Buffalo's on the way up. They should make the playoffs. Ottawa's on the way up. As long as Eunice is good in net for them, they should make the playoffs. So if you're Detroit, you're playing musical chairs and your chair might not be there already, you know, because we know Toronto and Tampa Bay are basically locks. Mm. Boston and Florida, I could go either way, but you're probably only getting four teams in that division, Um, potentially even three, depending on how the Metro shakes out, but let's just say four. Um, So for Detroit, it's going to be very interesting because, you know, Dylan Larkin's your number one right now. Uh, But I feel Marco Casper eventually would be the perfect number two. Uh, If he could be a legit number one, that solves a lot of problems because obviously Dylan Larkin is, you know, still very good, but in a couple of years, he's going to age out of his prime. So I think Marco Casper is a tremendous two-way center. They could use him right away. uh, Or, You send him to Grand Rapids, you let him dominate. Um, You know, you look at a guy like Simon Edmondson last year where I think it was good for him to learn the North American game. Mm -hmm. I think the same would go for Marco Casper. So to me, it's really about priorities in Detroit. Um, Do you think he can make the playoffs? Uh, And do you think Marco Casper would be part of that effort or... Do you kind of let the chips fall where they may let Casper dominate at the AHL level and, and, and learn the North American game and kind of see in the off season, like, okay, who are we? And how quickly do we think we can compete in this division?
1: Obviously Grand Rapids or Detroit by extension, patience has been the big mantra there. They like to over their guys. And the prime example is Sebastian Costa, right? Where he played in the East last year. Now he's entering presumably the first year in the AHL. What's the plan for him, you think? Like, do you think, do you see it a timeline where there's another two years, uh, another three? What would you gauge it as for his trajectory? It's a goaltender, it's hard, but if you can.
2: For sure. And I think, I think Detroit did the right thing with Cosa because he has so much potential. And, you know, he, he does have that six foot six frame, and you can't teach six foot six, as I like to say um that's something that's a tremendous advantage for him as as long as he gets all his fundamentals down and you, you know you, you coach him up and you you help him develop those tools starting off in the ECHL is a great way of doing that and then you move up to the AHL I would say I mean personally for me I would like to see Sebastian Cosa play at least one full year in the AHL probably two full seasons yeah and then you see what he can do in the NHL I think the ability for Detroit to have their goalie coaches uh, work with Kosa, you know, because again, you know, Grand Rapids to Detroit, it's not a bad drive. You're, you're in state. I mean, it's the other side of the state, but at least, you know, there's some proximity there. So you can work with them really closely. And again, because it's a goalie, you don't want to rush them. And I, I think there is that expectation that you don't have to rush them. Like if we don't see Sebastian Kosa, in a Red Wings jersey until he's 23 24. That's cool. That's okay. Um, I think long term if the Iser plan is going to work, Sebastian Cosa might be one of the key elements because if he's the guy in net, that solves a lot of problems. You know, you've got pieces elsewhere and, you know, as I mentioned with Casper, I you know, maybe they have the centers they need. To me, it's still up in the air. They definitely have talent on wings and uh, on defense and, and more help coming. But there there are those questions that, that need to be answered and they might not be answered right away. But I, I think at least with Kosa, he's a possibility in that.
1: A lot of people talk about the Montreal Canadiens, small defense that played college, Lane Hudson. But there's another guy, Sean Farrell, out of Harvard, turning pro this year. What are reasonable expectations for him? And what are your thoughts on his game? I think he's overshadowed a little bit in the grand scheme of things.
2: I think that's fair. And, you know, I mean, he's had a pretty solid career so far, you know, playing on those high-flying Chicago Steel teams in the USHL and then going to Harvard and having a lot of success there, playing at the Olympics uh, with a couple of other young guys. And I think he's been at least one world championship as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's kind of funny. It's like it feels like Montreal has a lot of these guys, um, you know, kind of led by Nick Suzuki, and then uh, obviously Cole Caulfield, elite goal scorer that that doesn't have size. You know, Sean Farrell, tremendously smart player. Um, I think he fits probably into a middle six role. I think if all goes according to plan, he's probably on your second line and you know he is obviously helping out with the offense you know we've we've seen him rack up numbers before i think that he's the type of player that will benefit from from again at least a full season in the AHL and if he needs a second season that's that's fine as well he's the sort of player that you know he's going to need to continue to get stronger and the AHL is going to be a awesome challenge for him because he's going to be playing against men full time. And, you know, as I mentioned with Coronado playing in that ECAC conference for Harvard, it gives you a little peek of it because you are playing older, stronger guys. You know, there's some early programs out there like Cornell. uh, And then, you know, Quinnipiac, obviously very hard to play against as well. So, you know, he's, he's gotten a taste, but the AHL, that's going to be a whole season of playing against guys like that and and guys that are even stronger and more talented. So I think that's a, that's a good challenge for him.
0: Uh, Shifting over to Ottawa, Ridley Gregg, real pesky, real annoying type player He drives opponents crazy. He appears NHL ready. Where do you see him fitting in Ottawa or does he go back to Belleville to start the year?
2: I certainly think he could go to Ottawa because he can go up and down the lineup, and you know I, I had a chance to to talk to him in Washington. He was one of Ottawa's guys there, and it was kind of funny. I was asking him, you know, the style of play that he brings, as you mentioned, that feistiness, that that aggressiveness. You know, I, I was like, yeah, when you played in the AHL or even the NHL, were guys like kind of like chirping you, like you know, like did you, you know? Did they get mad at you sort of like, who's this kid? And he was like, look, like you got to finish your hits. And if a guy's got a problem with that, that's on him. You know, so I love that. You know, Ridley Gregg is going to play his game no matter where he is. I think he's the kind of guy that you can put on your third and fourth line and he can still be effective. You know, ultimately, if you're the senators, you probably hope that maybe he's on your second line, but maybe not. Maybe he's just a perfect third liner because of that agitating style and, you know, maybe you see him evolve into a guy that not only is he hard on the forward check, but maybe he becomes part of your penalty kill mm-hmm. someday at the NHL level. Um, ultimately, for Ottawa, I think it's going to be a matter of, you know, the depth that they have now right. and what kind of role they see for him. So he's another sort of tweener where, okay, yeah, if he goes to the AHL and plays for the Babysense, then you play all situations. You can play 20 minutes a night and, and really hone your game. But I would say he's the kind of guy that, you know, if he's in the NHL and he's only playing 10, 11 minutes a night, but they are hard minutes. Yeah. um, I think there's value there for Ottawa.
0: And then Tyler Boucher um, turning pro. What expectations do you see for him?
2: Well, I think, this is more of a long-term project Mm. and you see this a lot with players that start in college and then go to major junior. It's a, it's a weird route for me yeah, because you're going from older competition to slightly younger competition. And, you know, the style of play is very different. And I think for Tyler Boucher, maybe the AHL would be a better fit for him because he is a big body. Um, But at this point, I think he's a guy that needs a couple of years. And again, you'd like to see him be a third liner, but well, I mean, ultimately you probably want to see him as a second line power forward, but realistically at this point I would see him more as a third or fourth liner, a sort of, you know, a bang and crash guy that maybe can chip in some offense sometime. But as it is now, I think there's a lot of development work to be done but he does have that great asset, which is his his big frame and, and obviously his pedigree. You know, he's he's been around the NHL life before, thanks to his dad.
1: Right. One last question before we let you go, Ryan. I want to go back to Ridley Gregg. It's interesting because he was ranked pretty highly in our Future Watch issue. Scouts rave a lot about him. Do you think that they would, in terms of whether there's a benefit at the NHL level or the AHL, do you think that they, or from what you know of what people think about Greg, that Ottawa is steadfast on him being a center, or would they be okay to him maybe transitioning to the wing? Because you look at the depth chart, I don't know where he's going to slot in. And Mark Castle is like the perfect fourth line center.
2: Yeah, I think that would probably be one of those things, especially with Josh Norris coming back from injury, yeah. and then you know full time Shane Pinto as well. You know, obviously Shane Pinto has missed some time early in his NHL career due to injury, um, but I think ideally. If you're Ottawa, your centers are Stutzla, Norris, Pinto, and then maybe it's Kastelik. Uh, it could be Ridley Gregg. But if you wanted more Greg, yeah, then yeah, you put him on a wing, either on the third or second line. Or I mean, hey, I mean, he played with Claude Giroux last year for yeah, a well, bit. So I mean, we and we've so we've seen that he's capable of playing with elite players. And I think that's the that's the big benefit of Ridley Greg is that versatility. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's on the wing to get a bigger role, I say do it. I don't, I don't think he has to be a center.
1: For sure. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us. We'll be sure to have you again this year. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks again to Ryan Kennedy for coming on. Um, always nice to hear the perspective uh, from our main prospect junkie over at the Hockey News. Now to close off today's show, let's get to part two of predicting our breakout performers at NHL camp. Last week we highlighted three forwards. So Today we'll do three defensemen. And again, I should remind you these are players that could be, you know, September sweethearts. Have good training camps. They may not crack the roster but they can make some noise and you know maybe even get claimed off waivers by another team or force their team to keep them on the roster. The first one we'll get to, Declan Chisholm just signed a one-year, two-way contract with the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday morning. Two-way deal, but he is no longer waiver eligible. And if it's deja vu, if it feels like deja vu, it certainly is. Last year, the Jets tried to block it by having Kovacevic, Jonathan Kovacevic, uh, to a multi-year deal in that case, sent him through waivers, but the Canadians claimed him. Declan Chisholm, another decorated defenseman, uh, going to camp with quite a lot to prove, I would say. And, you know, he could surprise a lot of people. And I think if even there's on a, a spot for him on the Jets, I think other teams are definitely keying in on him.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you bring up Kovacavich. Uh, you know, when that deal went down uh, with, with Chisholm, that, that thought You're did occur. The same to thing? Me. Yeah, that thought popped right in my head right away because they there's another leave. player you've invested a lot of time, a lot of effort. Yep. Uh, he's right on that brink. Um wasn't great losing Kovacevic. You don't want to do it twice now. Like you've you should have learned your lesson um by having gone through that now. So I think I think you got to he at this stage you have you have to let him show that he absolutely is not ready to play. Because otherwise, I think you could risk losing him. And then what? Right. So now you've invested this time, the guy that was an all star last
1: year yep. with with Manitoba. I think he's got a lot to <laughs> prove. I think he's probably really motivated going to
0: Canada. Oh, yeah. 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 Smart player. Uh, you know, it's, it's really shown some nice, nice progression. Yeah, um, for sure. Going through, it, uh, going through the rounds there with Mark Morris and his staff. So um, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how he handles training camp, but I think You're more interested to see how the Jets handle it. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh I just I hope for the Jets safe that they've learned their lesson uh from that uh savage situation because uh I didn't like that I didn't like that uh that loss last year, you know, even when it happened and even more so uh going forward. So um, you've just you know, the Jets are always gonna be a team that I mean they said themselves, they have to draft develop. Well, part of drafting and development is actually keeping those guys.
1: I agree. It's not drafting developing
0: for somebody else. Yeah. Um uh, that, that serves no purpose. So um they're they're not in a position to to keep squandering assets like that.
1: Yeah, the one difference I think with Chisholm is to Kova is I think the problem with the Johnny Savage one was uh he had a skill set and a an ability and the tendencies that the Jets needed. And he would have mm-hmm. been the perfect seventh I I don't know if you can say the same about Declan Chisholm. I think there are more, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's yeah. one of the tough parts. Uh And I don't it's know just... if, I think that a lot of Declan Chisholm's kind of hit the waiver wire, but what yeah. I will say, and I think you, you touched on it is he's a really smart player and that's what, and, and that's why teams have really zeroed in on him. And I think if I had to guess, I think I think some team w- would scoop him up, um, but I'm not as sure as I was mm-hmm. for, for Savage. I'll say that.
0: Yeah. yeah Another For savage when he went on I the waivers, think, I was like, all right, well, you know, the sad. only
1: thing that was going to stop it was the three-year deal, but I think we yeah. all thought, you know what? I think someone will take it with yeah. the understanding that he could be your AHL captain. If not now shifting over to the next guy, Jake Christensen uh, in Columbus, Columbus's blue line—I wouldn't say it's wide open uh, for spots, but I think Christensen is a player that's approaching, you know, a very big season for him. He, really interesting story—he came up from, you know, an AHL contract to, or sorry, started ELC undrafted out of uh, the, you know, the WHL. Went to the Calgary Flames organization on ATO or something for a little bit. Didn't pan out there. Ends up signing ELC with Columbus. Has had some strong years in Cleveland. Obviously, the team itself, mm-hmm. the Monsters, has struggled, but. Good skater, has an interesting toolbox, and could make some noise, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the move right now, I think, in Columbus overall, I'm really even down to Cleveland, has just been, obviously, you have a new head coach coming in. You have all the change that that brings, um, which for a lot of players, it's a, it's a fresh opportunity, um, Christensen included. Um, and you have a team that, you know, obviously is in the state of flux. This is as good an opportunity I think as Christensen's going to get. Yeah. Um, like you said, the, the Columbus Blue Line is fairly fairly intact, but I think they're, they're I think there's a way for him to to push his way in. And it, again, even if uh, you don't necessarily break training camp with the team, if you can at least right survive till till the very end, the last cut, uh, and then and and leave a leave an impression such that if and when there's injuries and there will be that you're the automatic first call, you know, like yeah. without, a que- without a question. Um, so that's, I think it's kind of a one, a one B in terms of what your, your agenda is, what your, 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 your you know, to do list is for a player like Christensen who is right there on that line.
1: And I should note, you know, last year, you know, Nick, Nick Blackenburg came out of undrafted, ended up with Columbus. Like, I think that uh, it's another example of you can come in and you could have a really good summer, and that physical maturation could do you a lot of favors. And then Christensen, given how fast he's developed, he could very well be someone like that. We see, you know, knock on the door, maybe even make the team as a seventh defenseman. I wouldn't put it past him whatsoever at this point in his career. Next one, Trevor Carrick, defenseman, Anaheim Ducks, could be some opportunity there for him with Anaheim's blue line being quite skinny. A long time, very solid defenseman at the AHL level.
0: Yeah, top, top, top tier. Top, I put him in my top five easily in the league. Um, veteran guy, low, not low maintenance. No maintenance. He's coming back um, uh, to a team in Anaheim where you know he spent time with San Diego. So there, you know, there are people there that are familiar with what he what he offers. Even though that there is a new management regime, Greg Cronin coming in as a head coach. Um, and the knock on character I guess, is his skating ability. But, um, you know, that, that, as it is right now, his blue line is, is painfully thin. And um, I think Carrick, at the very least, could come in and, and, and make a push for a job there. Um, he's, he's a player I don't think he's going to cost you. Uh, I think the challenge for him is just to sort of, you know, at the HL level, he's obviously a 25-minute guy. He's, he's, he's yeah. asked to do everything there you'd be coming in as number six, maybe number seven. And it's more of a kind of like, you know, you chip in, you, you, you try to do what you can here and there. So that can be, that can be an issue for, for a player like that um, to try to make that transition. It's not always easy for every player to
1: do that. And it could also be a case of, okay, where's he better for our organization with our yeah. young D in the NHL or our prospects in the AHL. And like, that sounds weird, but that I honestly could factor into it. Absolutely. Last one, but not least, Jack Rathbone. He's got to have a big. He's got to have a big training camp if he wants any chance uh, in the NHL. Now, Rathbone's gone from you know top uh, top four defenseman to be to sort of an afterthought last year. He mm-hmm. hasn't been great in the NHL, but with a skill package like he has, teams are going to be looking at him, and he may very well end up on the waiver wire, considering that he is no longer <laughs> waiver exempt.
0: Yeah, he's another another guy. I can see somebody scooping up, thinking, you know, like like that's the thing, right? When you when you pull somebody off waivers, you know, everybody always thinks I can be the guy that I, I can be the team, the front office, the coach, whatever the case may be. That that solves. We this can problem. fix them. Yeah, we yeah. can fix them, right? Like it's you know, um, kind of that old theory. And he, Brathbone, I think in his defense, he's had some injuries, you know, that yep. have set him back. For, you know, to be sure. Um, you know, the word out of, of Vancouver is he, he bulked up a little bit, you know, gotten stronger. So that's good. That's a good sign for him. He went through a must, lot of coaching changes too. Yeah. Yeah. Way. And that's the thing, right? Like, you know, sometimes we we, we put this, this knock on players, but you know, like you're going through, you know, Vancouver obviously has been right. something of a state of disarray the last few years. Um, and then, like you said, the coaching change, right? So now you're playing for different regimes, you know, different it, people trying to learn you, you're trying to learn them. So, you know, all right. Coming in now, this is really your best shot with Vancouver. Uh, Christian Weiland kind of passed him last year, um, you know, especially coming in there and, and, and asserting himself there in the second half with the with Vancouver. So this is a big year for Rathbone. This is that this is that stage of a player's career where you're now on that break. Like, is this guy an NHL player, or is he really just going to kind of be an HL lifer? Um, and it can go, you know one way or the other for players and you know it's a little bit of a tenuous time uh, so this is where uh, not just an okay training camp but you need to have an excellent training camp if you're rathbone
1: there's always that point when a prospect becomes a player yeah. all right well we'll see how rathbone care at christensen and chisholm do at training camps which open uh next week at various dates but until then we're going to sign off for now we'll be back next week uh, previewing next season talking over other topics and hey maybe talking about more nhl chl player agreement maybe another exemption happens unlikely but who knows uh thanks for listening take care and we'll see you next time